Hi children, welcome back. Today we have a mixture of stories to share about all sorts of things. We'll start with a winner of the New Zealand Storyline Story Cowley Award. It's a picture book about a fun type of grandpa. It's written by Tanya Sickling and called Grandpa vs. the Swing. And it's a pity you children can't see the lovely illustrations, but never mind. <laughs> the thing about Grandpa, which you'd never guess from the way that he talks, or his manner of dress, is he's mad for a contest. He can't stand to lose. He has lightning-fast feet in those comfortable shoes. He is first up the monkey bars, and first down the slide. He is last to be found when we're trying to hide. And when someone yells, Dinner! As quick as he's able, he's off down the road and first at the table. Except for the day when the new swings went in. New swings! shouted Grandpa. I'll race you! I'll win! The swings were well built. They looked sturdy and shiny. Uh, Grandpa, he called, aren't they just a bit tiny? But Grandpa is sprightly and springy and thin. With a bounce and a heave, he propelled himself in. If he thought for one moment he might not have fitted, that thought was mid-leap, and by then he'd committed. So Grandpa went soaring, his legs full of power, his face full of joy for a full half an hour. Then he slowed himself down and he came to a stop. He started to jiggle and wiggle and hop. He tried to jump out, but the new swing had got him. It danced around with him, stuck fast to his bottom. He bounded and bounced like a featherweight fighter. He floundered and flounced, but the swing just got tighter. <clears throat> Are you okay, Grandpa? We asked. Can we help? He let out a sputtering, stuttering yelp. My legs are all tingly, he said. My hip niggles. But worse than that, I have unstoppable giggles. We wanted our best to stay solemn. We tried. But some laughs you just can't keep locked up inside. They burst uncontrollably, everyone knows, from the side of your mouth or straight out of your nose. We started to splutter, we snorted, we chuckled, we honked and we hee-hawed until our knees buckled. We laughed until even the laughing was funny. Tears rolled down our faces, our noses were runny. Dinner! yelled Grandma from way down the street. Come get it, she yodeled. It's ready to eat. Already, said Grandpa, suddenly serious. All right, the swing thing's no longer hilarious. We pulled at his shoes with a mighty heave-ho, but he didn't come loose, and we had to let go. Poor Grandpa zoomed backwards. He flew fast and high. He grabbed at the empty air as he shot by. He was stuck in that swing and stuck for ideas. He might have been stuck there for days, weeks or years. 
when on the horizon he saw a lone figure, a beacon of hope, getting closer and bigger. Oh, Grandma, he cried. Happy days! Oh, rejoice! Oh, Grandpa, she sighed with a smile in her voice. She carried her toolkit. She's always prepared for things that might need to be freed or repaired. Safely begoggled and stoutly begloved, she set about freeing the man that she loved. She made quick, light work of it. Out came the screws and out tumbled Grandpa with barely a bruise. We hollered and cheered as she fixed up the swings. Then she took a deep bow and she gathered her things. You all right now, Grandpa? She said with a smile. Now come get your food. It's been ready a while. So we all tottered home again, tired but well, with a new favourite story for Grandpa to tell. Doesn't he sound like an awesome granddad? My next pick is Granny McFlitter, the champion knitter. It's written by another New Zealand author, Heather Haylock. Granny McFlitter made bright knitted socks, mittens and jumpers and cardies with spots. Her family grumbled. Their drawers wouldn't close. Their basements were flooded with hand-knitted clothes. Enough, they all shouted. Enough knitted knitters. No more scratchy stockings and lumpy wool slippers. But did Granny stop knitting? Oh, no, she did not. She kept right on knitting, like it or not. Who would have thought she could knit up a squid or a polka dot stingray? But that's what she did. Fly swats and cricket sets, curly-cued hats, scarecrows and bird baths and bonnets for bats. Her family was worried. Her mind must be slipping. She's making no sense with this ludicrous knitting. But did Granny stop knitting? Oh no, she did not. She kept right on knitting, like it or not. One night she sat happily, sipping her tea and watching the news on her knitted TV. Oh no, cried the newsreader. How can this be? A ship's run aground and spilled oil in the sea. The camera zoomed over the sea to the land, to a sad little penguin, washed up on the sand. He was covered with oil. He was blacker than soot, from the top of his head to the tip of his foot. We're washing the penguins, a vet said on screen. But they go all shivery after they're clean. I know what to do. Granny leapt in the air, then reached for her knitting bag under the chair. Her needles went flying. Her wool was a whirr. Her fingers were whizzing, a dizzing blur. Before you could say, 99 nutty knitters. She'd made penguin pyjamas with armholes for flippers. But did Granny stop knitting? Oh no, she did not. 
She kept right on knitting. Like it or not. She knitted that evening and right through the night. Next morning she gazed at a breathtaking sight. Piles of pyjamas were stacked on the floor. Jumpers and jackets heaped right to the door. Some dotty, some spotty, some zigzagged and striped, some muted in pastels, some shockingly bright. Granny raced to the beach, and she helped all the vets to capture the penguins in hand-knitted nets. She cleaned up a penguin and carefully chose a frilly green jumper with flowers and rows. The penguin was cosy. The vets were relieved. Your coats and your jumpers are just what we need. They gathered the penguins and dressed them in style. There were warm, happy penguins for mile upon mile. But did Granny stop knitting? Oh, no, she did not. She kept right on knitting, like it or not. Now she is helping the vets at the zoo. She knits for the creatures with sniffles and flu. Long scarves for giraffes with sore throats and the snuffles, and hats for the wombats with wuffless waffles. Warm pants for the monkeys with holes for their tails, soft tissues for turkeys and hankies for whales. The penguins are happy now down at the shore. They don't need their jumpers and coats any more. New feathers have grown from their toes to their bills in waterproof layers to keep out the chills. But did Granny stop knitting? Oh no, she did not. She kept right on knitting, like it or not. Does your grandmother knit? I wonder if she's like Granny McFlitter. Our next book is about native birds and called The Ugly Kiwi. It's written by one of my favourite New Zealand authors. He's written lots of funny stories like The Silly Goat Gruff and A Hippo Lives in Havelock. His name is Scott Tullock. Whose egg is this? about to hatch and what's it doing in this nest it doesn't really seem to match it doesn't look like all the rest the other eggs are round and small but this looks like a rugby ball the small eggs open one two three the cutest ducks you ever saw the big egg Goodness gracious me, could it be a dinosaur? Ducklings, fluffy, brown and white. Then one last duck who's not quite right. His legs are stout, his beak is long, his eyes are small, his bum is big. He doesn't sing a pretty song, he grunts a little like a pig. All in all, it's plain bad luck. What an ugly little duck. Proper birds are bold and bright. 
Proper birds can sing and fly. Proper birds don't wake at night. They sleep beneath the starry sky. Proper birds are of a feather, which means that they will stick together. Ugly ducklings sometimes feel a little sad and all alone. But here's a fact that's true and real, a fact that's very little known. Beneath your feathers and your skin, the real duckling lies within. The day had started, warm and still. The birds were singing without care. The ducks were preening, as ducks will, and quacking, so they didn't hear. The stealthy pad of feline paws, the hungry lick of feline jaws. What is this thing that softly sneaks, hidden in the undergrowth? Listen, birds, hush your beaks. A stoat, a weasel, maybe both. I fear it's even worse than that. A feline is a hungry cat. Frenzy, terror, fright, alarm, quacking, squawking, flap and flail. Cats can do all kinds of harm. It has a tui by the tail. Pigeons panic, fantails flee. The quail are quailing in their tree. The ducks so vain, so full of pride, who primp and preen, as ducks will do, are looking for a place to hide. They're not as brave as me and you. Will no one come to save the day? Shall we end? With much dismay. But what's this bird the cat has spied, standing solid as a stone? This bird will not run and hide. He will face the cat, alone. The ugly duck, his name's Kiwi. A bird as brave as you and me. Cat approaches. Kiwi waits. The owl can't look. The tui flees. The ducks are huddled with their mates. The quail are quailing in their trees. The cat is crouching, set to spring, when Kiwi does the strangest thing. When faced with fangs and fierce eyes, a terrifying cat attack, Kiwi, to the cat's surprise, flips himself onto his back and with a move that's mighty slick, he gives that cat a great big kick. And as the cat goes sailing by, disappearing in a blink, Kiwi pokes it in the eye. That beak is handy, don't you think? The ugly duckling saved the day. Three cheers for Kiwi! Hip! Hooray! It's never wise to judge a bird by how it looks or flies, or sings. That really is a bit absurd. A bird may have some other things. Long of beak and stout of leg. A heart that's bigger than his egg. Did you enjoy this story? Maybe you've been lucky and visited our Kiwi at Namanu in Waikanae or Zealandia in Wellington. I'm finishing with some stories 
by my very favourite New Zealand author, Margaret Mayhe. The first is an absolute legend. You'll probably know it. Down the back of the chair. Our car is slow to start and go. We can't afford a new one. Now, if you please, Dad's lost the keys. We're facing rack and ruin. No car, no work. No work, no pay. We're growing poorer day by day. No wonder Dad is turning grey. The morning is a blue one. Nothing but dockets in his pockets. Raging with despair, Dad acts appalled. Though nearly bald, he tries to tear his hair. But Mary, who is barely two, says, Dad should do what I would do. I lose a lot, but I find a few down the back of the chair. He's patted himself and searched the shelf. He's hunted here and there, so now he'll kneel and try to feel right down the back of the chair. Ooh, it seemed to grin as his hand went in. He felt tingling under his skin. What will a troubled father win from down the back of the chair? Some hairy string and a diamond ring were down the back of the chair. Pineapple peel and a conga eel were down the back of the chair. A sip, a sup, a sop. A song, a spider, seven inches long. No wonder that it smells so strong. Down the back of the chair. A packet of pins and one of the twins. Down the back of the chair. A pan, a fan that belonged to Gran. Down the back of the chair. A crumb, a comb, a clown, a cap. A pirate with a treasure map. A dragon trying to take a nap down the back of the chair. A cake, a drake, a smiling snake down the back of the chair. A string of pearls, a lion with curls down the back of the chair. A skink, a skunk, a skate, a ski, a couple of elephants drinking tea, a bandicoot and a bumblebee. Down the back of the chair. But what's this? Oh, bliss! Oh, bliss! Down the back of the chair. The long-lost will of Uncle Bill. Down the back of the chair. His money box all crammed with cash. Tangled up in a scarlet sash. And there's pleasure, treasure, toys and trash. Down the back of the chair. I found my dreams. Our father beams down the back of the chair. At last I see how life can be down the back of the chair. Forget the keys. We're poor no more. Just call a taxi to the door. A taxi shot out with a roar from down the back of the chair. The chair, the chair, the challenging chair, the champion chair, the cheerful chair, the charming chair, the children's chair, the chopped and chipped but chosen chair. To think our fortune waited there, 
down the back of the chair. Doesn't she use wonderful words? Here's another classic. It's called Bubble Trouble. Let's see what happens in the bubble. Little Mabel blew a bubble and it caused a lot of trouble. Such a lot of bubble trouble in a bibble bobble way. For it broke away from Mabel and it bobbed across the table. Where it bobbed over baby and it wafted him away. The baby didn't quibble. He began to smile and dribble. For he liked the wibble wobble of the bubble in the ear. But Mabel ran for cover as the bubble bobbed above her, and she shouted for her mother, who was putting up her hair. At the sudden cry of trouble, mother took off at the double, for the squealing left her reeling, made her terrified and tense, saw the bubble for a minute, with the baby bobbing in it as it bibbled by the letterbox and bobbed across the fence. In her garden, Krista Gribble had begun to cry and cobble at her lazy brother, Greville, reading novels in his bed. But she bellowed, Gracious, Greville! And she grovelled on the gravel when the baby in the bubble bibble bobbled overhead. In a garden folly, Tybal and his jolly mother, Sybil, sat and played a game of Scrabble, shouting shrilly as they scored. But they both began to babble and to scrobble with the Scrabble, as the baby in the bubble bibble bobbled by the board. Then crippled Mr. Cobble and his wife, a crabby couple, set out arm in arm to hobble and to squabble down the lane. But the baby in the bubble turned their hobble to a joggle and they raced away like rockets, and they've never limped again. Even feeble Mrs. Threeble in a muddle with her needle matching pink and purple patches for a pretty patchwork quilt, when her older sister told her, tossed the quilt across her shoulder, and she set off at a totter in her tattered tartan kilt. Now at the shops a busy rabble met to gossip and to gabble, started gibbering and goggling as the bubble bobbled by. Mother, hand in hand with Mabel, flew as fast as she was able, full of trouble, lest the bubble burst or vanish in the sky. After them came Grivel Gribble in his nightshirt with his novel, all about a haunted hovel, held on high above his head, followed by his sister, Krista, though her boots had made a blister. Then came Tybal, pulling Sybil on the scrabble for a sled. After then the couple couple came cavorting at the double, then a jogger, quite a slogger, joined the crowd who called and coughed. Up above the puzzled people, up towards the chapel steeple, rose the bubble with the baby slowly lifting up a lot. There was such a flummer-diddle, Mabel huddled in the middle. Canon Dabble left the chapel, followed by the chapel choir. And the treble singer, Abel, through an apple core at Mabel, as a baby in the bubble bobbled up a little higher. Oh, they giggled and they goggled until all their brains were boggled, 
as the baby in the bubble rose above the little town. With the problem, let us grapple, murmured kindly Canon Dapple, and the problem we must grapple with is bringing baby down. Now, let Mabel stand on Abel, who could stand in turn on Tybal, who could stand on Gravel Gribble, who could stand upon the wall, while the people from the shop will stand to catch them if they topple, then perhaps I reach the bubble, saving baby from a fall. But Abel, though a treble, was a rascal and a rebel, fond of getting into trouble when he didn't have to sing. Pushing quickly through the people, Abel climbed the chapel steeple with nefarious intentions and a pebble in his sling. Abel quietly aimed the pebble past the steeple of the chapel at the baby in the bubble wibble-wobbling way up there and the pebble burst the bubble. So the future seemed to fizzle for the baby boy who grizzled as he tumbled through the air. What a moment for a mother as her infant plunged above her. There were groans and gasps and gargles from the horror-stricken crowd. Sybil said, Upon my honour, that's a baby who's a goner. And Krista hissed with emphasis, It shouldn't be allowed. But Mabel, Tybal, Greville and the jogger, christened Neville, didn't quiver, didn't quiver, didn't drivel, shrivel, wilt. But as one they made a swivel, and with action, firm but civil, they divested Mrs. Threble of her pretty patchwork quilt. Oh, what calculated catchwork! Baby bounced into the patchwork, where his grizzles turned to giggles and to wriggles of delight, and the people stared dumbfounded as he bobbled and rebounded, till the baby boy was grounded and his mother held him tight. And the people there still prattle. There is lots of tittle-tattle. Then the glory in the story, young and old folk, gold and grey, of how wicked Treble Abel tripled trouble with his pebble, but how Mabel and some others saved her brother and the day. Hope you loved my story collection. I got them from the wonderful children's bookshop in Otaki. It's on the main highway through Otaki next to Malie's gift shop. Maybe you can visit in the weekend and look for Christmas presents. Goodbye and happy reading. This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.